welcome tonight. I see we're a few minutes getting a late start here for the first one. That's okay. Um, those of you who have um, heard me speak before on things like that, this, this topic, you can see, I thought I hit this thing. There. Oh, I don't want to do that. There we go. Um, tonight's topic is, and what we're going to be doing this week, or actually this, this summer, I mean, is we're going to talk about worship. Now, this is a very interesting topic, and it's one that I think a lot of you think, oh, I already know the answer to what worship is and in how worship is done and stuff like this. And you might be a little surprised because we're going to take a look at a biblical aspect of it, not what today's modern society says worship is. We're going to go back and we're going to look at what the Bible says. We're going to go back to the Old Testament. We're going to go to the New Testament. Um, if you have your Bibles with you, I notice the number of you carry your Bibles, this series will be basically a sword drill. We're going to be looking at so many scriptures in both the Old and the New Covenant, so many different things. Um, and I know some people are thinking maybe worship. Wow, this sounds real exciting. What's he going to do, stand up here and give us a concert or something? Well, actually, I could do that. I've done that before. Um, I used to travel around doing that kind of thing. But no, that is not what I'm doing. But what I'm going to show you this summer, I want you to be open-minded. As we explore what Scripture says, we're going to go right into the Scripture. We're going to look at some word studies. We are going to see what worship is. Tonight is just an introduction. That's all this is. I'm not going to get too much heavy into this type of a thing. I just want to get an introduction as to what worship is and possibly tonight what it is not. Next week, we're going to talk some more about worship, getting um, into an idea of closer what worship is. What's the words in the Bible for worship? How were they used? Um, and what is praise in the Bible? And how were those words used? And then the third lesson is actually going to be, and this might shock some of you, God does not accept unacceptable worship. And I'm going to cite you tons of places in the Old and New Covenant. God does not accept unacceptable worship. And after we go through that lesson four, I'm going to tell you about what acceptable worship is. We're also going to be looking about if we're worshiping God, we've got to know who God is. So those who like doctrine, <clears throat> everyone looks at Peter Rockhold, <laughs> we are going to get into who is God. We're going to study a couple of weeks, probably two weeks, as to who God is. I mean, if we're supposed to worship God, we better have a good understanding of who God is, right? So there's a lot of things we're going to be covering here. And I'll, to be totally honest with you, I really believe that this lesson will change many of your lives. I think this will change, in many cases, your eternal life. Because worship is not something you often study, yet it should be because it's commanded for us to do. So, that's just a little introduction to my introduction. <laughs> I'm going to open us in prayer, and then we're going to get into this. Father, we do come before you right now, and we just ask that you would just help our minds to be open. I know we've had a, a long day today, and it's been hot and humid, and in some cases very uncomfortable to work. But Lord, we're here to serve you, we're here to serve these campers. We're ambassadors for Jesus Christ being here. And Lord, as now we have set aside this time, as the staff has put a time for us to sit down for a half hour now and to study your word, we invite the Holy Spirit to come in and do the teaching. 
for it is the Spirit of God that teaches. It's not me up here, it's what your word says and the Spirit moving upon us to teach us, Lord. Help us to clear our minds of what society and churches and things have said about what worship is, and Lord, help us to focus on what your perspective of worship is. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Two years ago, I was asked to speak in this building here, and I was asked to speak before a huge youth group. There was about 200 kids in this youth group. Um, And this group that came here, they had their worship leader, quote-unquote. And before the service actually started, this worship leader and I went into the green room back in here, and we went back there with a couple of the youth leaders and to have a little bit of time, about 20 minutes before the session started. As we were in there, uh, we got inside there and everything. Uh, we prayed real quick, just a really quick prayer, and then this guy said, okay, this is how the night's going to go. Um, he says, I'm going to go out. I will start the service. I will go out here, and I will lead the worship. And I will do four songs and sing four songs and lead them in four songs of worship. And we will do the worship aspect of the service right away. Then, turning to me, he says, then after that, you can get up, Michael, and do whatever it is you do. And um, then afterwards, I will come back up when you're done and lead them into a final worship time. Well, to be honest, that didn't sit well with me. I was like, hmm. So I asked him, I said, what is your definition of worship? Well, then it was really interesting because he went through and told me, you know, that, well, that's what my title is at my church. Um, I went to a Bible college and I majored in worship and all this stuff. And he went on and on and on, but he never answered my question. You know, he says, well, you know, all the song service. And he said this to me. He says, you know, it's the song part of these services that's the important part because that's where the people get to participate in. That's the worship, the song aspect. It's not exactly what you do. What you do is not, I'm saying it's not, you know, it's not that it's not important, but the worship, the singing is the most important thing. You know, you get up and talk about the Bible, that's, that's good, but it's the worship. And I was like, whoa, I don't think this guy understands what worship is. So with that, we're going to take a look and see what worship is. And I've been studying this for a couple of years now, and I'll tell you, I still don't know all the answers to this, but it is a fascinating topic as we get into this. But, I mean, as we get into this also, I have to ask you, do you think, you don't answer this rhetorical question at this point, but do you think that the worship service, of, you know, the worship part of religious service is actually just a bunch of songs? If you do, you haven't studied this very carefully in what the Bible says. Mm-mm. Uh, is worship the song part of the... Was that guy really correct in what he was saying? Hmm. Is singing what occurs in the Bible whenever people sat down to worship God? Whenever they knelt down to worship God, does it say, and then they burst into Kumbaya? <laughs> or some Chris Tomlin song? Is that what they did? I don't see that in the Bible, and I'm going to point this out to you tonight as we get into this. Um, is singing songs... The worship part of the service. According to this worship leader who was here, that's what he said it was. And to be honest, I have done an awful lot of research on this. I've gone to different church libraries, and I pulled out every book I could find on worship. And what I found out absolutely amazed me. That I I would say probably about 90, 95% 
of the books I've come up with that I've been able to find and I've read on worship particularly talk all about the song service. Now, do they have verses in these books to back all this up? No. <laughs> but that's what happened. If you actually follow this back, which I did, once you get into the, uh, back about 1980, right around the latter 1970s, 1980s, something started to change in uh, the evangelical church. It was the birth of contemporary Christian music. Now, don't get me wrong. I used to go around singing contemporary Christian music. On occasion, I still get asked to go someplace and do a concert. Um, and I don't have anything against that. Matter of fact, that's a great thing. But what started to happen in the 1980s, the evangelical church started to change what songs were as a praise and started calling it worship. And if you follow this history back, it starts, like I say, right at the end of the 1970s, 1980s, and everything started to change. That was about the same time that the seeker-friendly uh, service churches and started, uh, um, the seeker services, you know, going out and stuff like that. The vertical church, no, the horizontal church was going out. And, well, I'm getting on a different topic here. But, so what I did in, in preparing for this, and actually for preparing this for a different, I, I did this um, for a church, I went and picked up Worship Leader magazine. I thought, well, surely they'll have something in here to explain what worship is. So I picked up a, an issue of Worship Leader. I figure that'll tell me a whole lot. And um, what I found out in Worship Leader was I was going through this and thumbing through the articles and the advertisements. Um, there was uh, articles on um, buying and positioning speakers in your church. There was uh, one about um, the type of soundboard you use. There was others um, talking about how to best position the, the drum set on the stage. And then looking through the advertisements, they're on electric guitars, they're on soundboards, keyboards, amplifiers, microphones, stuff like this. And I'm like, what's this got to do with worship? So then, about a year ago, there was a, the, the people who put out Worship Leader have a national conference. And so they had this national conference, and I thought, oh, let's check into that. So, yes, there are worship leaders that go to these kind of things and, and stuff like this. Um, and I went to the website to see what their classes, what the seminars are. Now, these are actual seminar titles from the National Worship uh, Conference. Are you ready? Here they are. Songwriting. Another one was the drummer's role in worship. What makes a great song? Electric guitar creating the ultimate tone. Keyboards. The text guide to understanding music and musicians. How to start a worship choir. Church music and copyright laws. Singing beautifully and powerfully in groups large and small. Creative worship on a tight budget. Virtual worship band software. Those were just a few of the topics that they did in this national conference. And I'm sitting here, what's this got to do with biblical worship? Well, you're going to find out it doesn't. By the way, when I keep saying like this guy was a worship leader, I don't know, that word just seems a little strange. Because he told me he's the worship leader at his church. I had to ask, what's the pastor then? Does the pastor, I said, have anything to do with worship? Well, he's the guy who explains the Bible. But that's not the worship part. Something's not right here. And I know, I'm picking a very controversial topic in going over this whole thing on worship. Is biblical singing the worship part of a service? 
Let's take a look at see what the Bible says. Let's go through it and see what it says. So what I'm going to do is begin with in the New Testament. I like to call the New Testament the New Covenant. That's a more accurate term than calling it Testament. Today, we don't use the word Testament. We don't know what Testament, but covenant. We often, often all of us are associated with a covenant, an agreement, a contract. And that's what it is. The New Testament is a New Covenant. Anyway, in the New Covenant, God gives us one of the clearest descriptions of what true worship is. You want to know what worship is? There's one part of Scripture that Jesus tells us, and if Jesus is talking and he is God, it's got to be the truth. So Jesus gives us the absolute best description of worship. And we're going to be coming back to this passage every single week as we go through here. Here it is. It's John chapter 4, verses 19 through 24. To refresh your minds, this is the, when Jesus is sitting with the woman at the well from Samaria. That story. We often know the first part and all this, that you know she was... Uh, um, been married like seven times, and the, gal, or the guy he was, she was living with now wasn't and all that stuff. But we often don't study this last part of it very carefully. Look what it says. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where the people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, but we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. In those six verses, the word worship appears ten times. Very concentrated in there. More than any other place you ever find, Old or New Covenant, you find it here in this passage. So, um, by the way, did you notice that in, in looking at this thing, does singing appear anywhere in this passage? I didn't see it. I didn't see any words alluding to singing. And Jesus is explaining, because she's asking what is worship, and he is explaining what worship is, and the thing is, he doesn't mention this. Hmm. That's interesting. I think that's interesting. So, why today do we constantly use the term worship to mean the song part of a service? Is it biblical? I don't think so. And I'll tell you, I, I mean, there's the, uh, the seeker-friendly church got into this whole thing of trying to really focus on bringing people into the church. And what happened was they weren't really pointing them upwards. There's the, the vertical church and there's the horizontal church. The horizontal church going out looking this way. The vertical church is the one looking for God. And uh, there's a cute little cartoon here where it says, I love the music at your church. Who's this Jesus guy they sing about? Oh, I have no idea, but we've sung about him for years. As funny as this sounds, actually, I think that's pretty accurate in a lot of ways. I think a lot of people are drawn in because of music, and I'm not saying that's bad. What I'm saying is, that's not worship. That's not worship. So, do you see a problem here? I hope you do. I hope you're able to see that something's not right here, what we've been going through and stuff like this. So, as we're going to take a look and, and go through this, if the song leader, like I say, is the worship leader, the true worship leader, like I say, who in the world is a pastor? Who's the elders then? What's their job? 
If I only have to worship, go into the service and get into this singing aspect, why in the world do we even need somebody to stand up and bore me to death with a sermon? Something's not right. And that's what we're going to look at. Is singing the form of worship Jesus speaks of in John 4? I don't see it. Now you might be thinking, well, Michael, you're just looking at one section of Scripture. There's a lot of places where God is worshipped. Oh, that is true. Both old and new covenants have that. And we will look at that. As a matter of fact, that's what I want to do here for just the next few minutes. We're going to take a look at some examples of worship being described in the Bible. We're going to take a direct look and see places where God is worshipped. And I want you to notice the wording and what's going on when we come into these. So, now, I could pick a lot of places to go, but I just finished with my youth group at the church I did, a three-year study. Yes, three years, my senior high. Max has endured this for three years. Three years, the study verse by verse of the book of Matthew. Took us three years to do it. The whole premise was, if we're going to be followers of Christ, we better know what Jesus said. So that's why we did this. And I loved it. I thought it was a one of the best Bible studies I've ever gone through. I mean, yeah, I wrote it, but, <laughs> but I, I learned so much as God was going, going through this. So let me, let me show you a few things here. I'm going to click on the book of Matthew because I just got done studying in such a detail. Look at this. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 10 through 11, look what, the, what happens. This is, this is the, the Christmas story. Remember the wise men? And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opened their gifts and offerings and gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know what's, notice what's going on? They fell down and worshipped. Wow, that's an interesting verse. Now, let's stay in Matthew. Let's go to verse 8. One of the lepers that Jesus healed. Look what it says in verse 2 of chapter 8 of Matthew. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Well, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold the bus. The word worship does not appear in 8.2 of Matthew. Right? You don't see it. Well, it's because we're using the English Standard Version, which is a word-for-word translation, which is why we're going to get into this. If you take a look at that same passage in the King James Version, it says this, And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him. Why the difference? It's the word in Greek, proskuneo. The word that's used in Greek here is the word that says worship. In the English Standard, they're using the word knelt. So this word means what? Well, I give you the definition here. It means to kiss like a dog, lift, uh, licking his master's hand, to fawn, to crouch, that is literal or figurative, prostrate oneself in homage, do reverence to, adore. In short, it means worship. In the literal translation, what this means, that word means in Greek, is literally to get on your knees, you would get down and you would kiss the feet. Or you would get down and put your forehead on the ground. That is what it's talking about when it says worship. When those wise men came, what did they do? Did they sit around singing a Chris Tomlin song? Did they sing Kumbaya? No. It says they got down, they knelt down, they put their foreheads to the ground, and they worshipped him. That's what this is saying. That's what the word means. Now... Moving on, chapter 9 of Matthew, verse 18. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came and knelt 
before him, saying, my daughter has just died. Come and lay your hands on her, and she will live. You notice these people are doing this before Jesus does the miracle. What's happening? Here's the word knelt. As I just showed you in the English Standard Translation, this is saying that it's knelt. You go back to the King James, it says the word worship. This is talking about doing the actual act of bowing down. Do you know when, when a, con, uh, a king was defeated? Like, for instance, King Jehu of uh, Israel in the Old Testament, when he was conquered by the Assyrian king, I even saw the relief of this in Israel. He came and had to go up to the throne of the king of the Assyrians, and actually there's a, there's a drawing of this done in stone, a carving of it, where King Jehu gets down on the ground and kisses the king of Assyria's feet in worship. That's what this is saying. Oh, let's move on. Matthew 14, And those in the boat. Remember, Jesus calms the storm with his disciples in the boat. After they calmed the storm, those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. That's what's going on here. These guys had just seen Jesus not just do little miracles, control nature and weather and stuff. Whoa, that is a massive, massive miracle that he has just done. Go to another one, Matthew 15, 24, and 25. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came, this is the lady from Sidon who uh, was, was asking, she was asking Jesus for help. She was not a Jew, so she was a Gentile, and Jesus is saying, hey, I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. She says, um, but it says, but she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. She came and knelt. She came and worshiped. That's what's being said here. Came and worshiped. Uh, let's go to chapter 28, verse 9. This is after the resurrection. Behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. They came, took hold of his feet, and worshiped him. You see what's going on? What's happening here? In each of these passages, we read a specific person or group of people worshipped God. But let me ask you, is music ever mentioned? Do you really think when Jesus calmed the storm and the disciples were all sitting in the boat, and I don't know if you've ever been at, at sea in a storm. I have. I've been out in the ocean in a small freighter that was in a massive storm. And I'm telling you, I've gone through a couple of hurricanes in my life too, living in the Bahamas. I'm telling you, it's a scary thing. And then all of a sudden, it gets absolutely calm. The boat's where it's supposed to be. Can't you just see all these disciples like, wow, you really are God. Let's, you can just hear John saying, we, we should worship him. Oh, yeah, John, that's a great idea, says Peter. Uh, why don't you lead us in some, you know, some uh, Christian hymn here? Yeah, let's all hold hands and sing. Um, Simon, get out your, your guitar. Um, hey, hey, you, Judas, I know you're going to betray him later, but hey, Judas, why don't you get out some, you know, take the mag of, bag of money and you just shake it like a tambourine, okay? <laughs> let's have that going here and stuff. Do you see this? No. Is there any mention of music here? No. Yes, I'm making fun of the whole thing, but it, this is a serious topic, folks, because I really do believe the Christian church today, a lot of us in the Christian church have totally lost the concept of what it means to worship God. What you're probably going to find out, at least some of you, I, I wager, are going to find out, I don't know if I've ever worshipped God. And that's what I'm hoping you will do. 
Because, as I said, this can change your entire life. Yes, you might be a born-again Christian. Awesome. But do you really worship God? And if you don't, and you start doing it, I'm telling you, it will change your life. God demands it. That's another lesson coming up. Next week, we'll talk about that. But the thing is, I want you to, to remember, what did Jesus basically say? John 4, 23, the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now, what that means, I'm not going to give you right now. This is an introduction. That's a heavy part of the lesson coming up. What does Jesus mean? Well, I'm telling you right now, it's not meaning songs. That's not what that means. Or he would have said that, because there's, there's six words in Greek for praising and singing and stuff. It's not one of those words. It's not there. But I'll, I'll tell you, it's, it's sad, but this is actually what a person said to me once when I was asking about worship. He said to me, I don't feel like I've worshipped, really, until I feel this emotional moment or feel like I was swept into a dreamlike state caused by the music portion of the, of the service. That's when I feel like I really worship. I had that conversation with a person just standing right back over there in this auditorium. I need to get swept up into the moment to really to feel like I'm really worshiping. I said to the person, you don't understand what worship is. That is not what Jesus has been talking about. No, but that's what a lot of us think. And I think this is one of the major contributors of why we are so messed up with what worship is today. I think... So many of us are looking for that. I'm not, just think back. Have there been times when you've gone to a service, what was supposed to be a worship service, looking specifically for this? Some big emotional thing that happened, and then afterwards, oh, man, wasn't that a great service? Wasn't that a great time of worship? Oh, I was so caught up emotionally and stuff. That's not what Jesus said worship is. That's something different. I'll explain it next week, what that kind of thing is. This is not biblical, folks. I believe that we have lost the true idea of what worshiping God in spirit and in truth is all about. And that is the key thing that Jesus told us, to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Notice it says the true worshipers. You know what that means? There's also false worshiping. So, that's what this is going to be getting into. This has led, I think what we've run into... This is what's happened. I believe this has led many Christians into a depreciation of who God really is. I think we have all, not all, but many of us have lost the idea of who God is. That's why I'm going to take two weeks specifically and talk about who God is. If we're going to worship, we've got to understand who he is. And he does reveal that to us in his word. Because of this, the evangelical church in particular, I think, has got into this whole idea of Jesus and God being our buddies. We sing these songs like, in like many of our Christian songs today, talk about like, oh, Jesus, you know, I just want to go up and hug you. If Jesus comes in, oh, I'm just going to go up and hug him. Jesus comes in, oh, Jesus, I'm going to run and come running up to you, and I want to give you a hug, and hold out your arms to me, and give me a great hug. It's a great picture, isn't it? One I'm sure all of us have had in our mind. Do you really think that would happen if Jesus walked through that door right now? I can guarantee you what will happen because you see it every single time in the Bible, Old and New Testament, even with John who spent three years with Jesus, when he came face to face with Jesus in the book of Revelation, 
Who was the disciple that Jesus loved? Did John go running up? Hey, Jesus, been so long. No. What did he do? He fell down, put his face to the ground, and worshiped. If Jesus walked in here right now, I guarantee you, not one person in this room is going to go running up there. Every single one of us will be faced with who we really are and our spiritual condition. Even though we're saved, we're born-again Christians, we still have a sinful part of our lives. And every single one of us are going to realize that we fall short of what we're seeing and we're going to be on the ground and terrified. That's who God is. And we've lost that. And that's so sad. We've really lost it. We've made God into our buddy. It's so sad. I believe that worship has become one of the most misunderstood doctrines of the Christian church. In this study, we're going to examine what God has to say about it. We're going to take a look, what is God's perspective of worship? What is it? We're going to look at definitions. We're going to look at traditions. We're going to look at Scripture, Old and New Covenant. We're going to examine these very carefully. The examines I used here tonight in this little thing was just to give you like an appetizer, let you see what's coming up, what we're going to be talking about. And we're going to just go outside of, you know, we're going to stay in Matthew. We're going to go all over the place examining this. But let me leave you with one passage from the Old Testament dealing with worship. It's a verse I'm sure you guys all know. Psalm 95, 6 and 7. This is a great verse. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. There's that word again. Proskuneo is coming up again. Only this is in Hebrew at this time, but it's the same. It's a Greek translation of it. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker. Worship, bow down, kneel. Why? For he is our God. We are the people of his pasture. We are the sheep the unworthy sheep of his hand. To understand worship, we have to understand who God is. God is not your buddy. God loves you, that's true. God is not your buddy. That's a depreciating view of God. That is not a positive aspect of God. Worship bow down, kneel. I'm going to ask you right here at the end. I'm, I'm just about done. I'm going to ask you. Rhetorical question. Don't raise up your hands and say, yeah, I've done that or whatever. Have you ever actually did what these people in the Bible we read tonight in Matthew actually did? That you bow down, you kneel before the Lord. Have you ever really done that? Do you know how humbling it is to do that? Do you know how humbling it is to do that in public? These cases that I mentioned were all done in public. We can go off in a room, we can go off in a closet, we can go off into the woods, be all alone except for the mosquitoes drinking our blood. But we can get alone and do it. And I've even, I'll even ask you this, think, have you ever done this even in private? It's an awesome thing to try. And it is so difficult for us, particularly in this country, because we're such a prideful people, to actually do this in public. 
Have you ever kneeled down, put your face to the ground, considering who Jesus is, not my buddy, the holy, all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God? Father, we thank you so, so much for this time here tonight. And as we've just barely touched the surface of this massive cake, layer cake of so many different aspects of what worship is and what it's not, I pray, Lord, that as the summer goes on, that your spirit really speaks to us. Change our perspective of what we have been taught through human tradition and stuff, of what worship is to what you say it is. Help us, Lord, to understand, as difficult as it is, who you really are. Give us a hunger, O oh God, to truly want to worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you that you are a God that loves us so much that it even puzzles the angels. They don't understand. We cannot explain you. You are almighty. Elohim. You are God. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be worshipped. Forgive us, Lord, for the times we have wasted and squandered in not worshipping you. Help us to see how to truly do it in the way that you desire. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.